Welcome to this special bonus episode of the Lady Science Podcast. Um, I'm Rebecca Ortenberg, Lady Science's Managing Editor. And I'm Anna Reeser, co-founder and co-editor-in-chief of Lady Science. And today we're excited to be welcoming the voices and minds behind the Spotify podcast Dope Labs. In each episode of Dope Labs, scientists and best friends, Dr. Titi Shodia and Dr. Zakia Watley, share scientific principles with a healthy dose of pop culture, bringing on experts that help them understand how fireworks go boom, what keeps friendships strong, how con artists manipulate us, and what science can teach us about making our skin glow. Uh, so thanks so much for joining us today. So just to jump in and get us started, can you tell us a little about how Dope Labs came to be? So Zakia and I met in grad school um, in North Carolina. She was there before I was. And when I got there, I thought, okay, nose is a grindstone. You got to get out of here. You're trying to get a doctorate. You can't be playing around. And I was absolutely crushing myself with work. And so I decided, okay, I need to start looking for a community so that I don't feel so sad all the time. And I joined this graduate student group for uh, graduate um, students of color. So it was PhD students of color um, that was kind of like to build community and things like that. And Zakia was the president of it at the time. So that was when I first met her and she had such a, a way about her. She <laughs> has a very electric personality. She has a great smile. Everybody loves Zakia. So I just gravitated towards her and then we became very fast friends. And so now I call her my cousin. Um, and so over that time, she helped me with, you know, not taking myself so seriously and having a little bit of fun in graduate school. And, and TT helped me add some rigor and, you know, <laughs> the structure I needed. <laughs> so from there, we, you know, Zakia graduated and left and she started. Um, she was a professor in Pennsylvania and I was still in graduate school. And then after that, I did a postdoc. But then we had always had these really great experiences together usually when we were out at the bar and we would run into people who would say, what do you do? And we say, oh, you know, we're, we have PhDs, da, 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 da. And people would just start asking us all of these random questions. It seemed like questions that were eating them alive from when they were little. And we would, you know, say, okay, yeah, I think I know the answer to that. Or we'd say, I don't know the answer to that, but let's have a conversation and maybe we could get to the answer. And it was just so much fun. So we were like, this could this could possibly be a really great podcast. And so that's where the idea was was kind of born. And then later on, I was in, I guess I was still in Pennsylvania at the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I was in the process of quitting that job, leaving there and going to my job now. Mm -hmm. And I in the middle of the night, I sent a link to TT, uh, which is not abnormal um not I abnormal keep, for zakia different she, hours <laughs> yes she is a vampire <laughs> and so i sent a link it was for spotify sound up um and i said oh my goodness look at this program it's for women of color who are interested in podcasting we've always talked about it why don't we apply well that's what i said in my head i just sent the link she didn't send all those details in the email it was just a link and so i was like i don't know if i click on this link if my computer will like explode <laughs> if all of my information is going to be sold to like someone in Russia or way. I don't know I don't know <laughs> and so I would I open the link and because my friend Zakia never steers me wrong 
and was like, wow, okay, yeah, I think this is a good idea. But I don't think Zakia has the bandwidth to try and like work through this application because she was, like she said, in transition between two different jobs. And so I said, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to try. I'll try my hand at it. I'll fill out the application. We've talked about this idea enough where I feel like I should be able to submit a good application. So I filled it out and I hit send. And then, you know, like a few weeks later, Zakia was moving into her new place and I was helping her. And And I said, oh my gosh, have you seen this tweet? It says that over 80,000 people, no, was it 80 or 18? 18. 18,000 people, over 18,000 people applied for this. (laughs) There's those odds are worse than getting a grant funded. There's no way we could get this. I'm so glad we didn't waste our time. And I said, well, <laughs> I submitted an application. So our idea is one of those 18,000, but I think it's really good. I'm going to, I already took off work for that week that they're going to be doing sound up because I'm just trying to, you know, put it out into the universe and let the universe confirm that for me. And manifest that and she was like girl you are crazy and a few weeks after that we got an email saying that we were selected and (laughs) you know we were in new york and did sound up ended up winning and so we got some seed money to start our idea and we hit the ground running and that's when dope labs was born yeah that's yeah that's amazing um and and one of the fun things uh, about your podcast that I I imagine Spotify thought was so cool uh, was is the way that you connect science with pop culture and memes and social phenomenon. Uh, and so I was wondering kind of what the goal, how you guys thought about that approach, and also are there ways that you come up with the topics for the episode? Um, like for example, do you start with the sort of pop culture and then find the science that goes with it or you start with like a science topic you want to talk about and then find like the the kind of unique in i think it's always the pop culture first you know what we think about (laughs) is how do we engage folks how do we make this interesting to people if you think back to any classes you've taken nobody wants to go you know chapter one this is you know, the mitochondria is a powerhouse. This is the nucleus. Like, <laughs> nobody cares about that. I want to know what's going down my feet and what's the science behind that, right? That's the way that you you yeah. you grab what people are already interested in. And then you say, look at all this science behind here. Just lift up this thin veil, you know? And I think that's what we're trying to do. Yeah. I think that's always been our approach when TT taught, when I taught. Like, that's always been our, our style, right? And so I think we just wanted to bring up a little bit more of that. That's just the other part of grad school that we also brought to this podcast. (laughs) Not just our friendship. (laughs) Yeah. Nice. Very cool. Yeah. I I loved what you said uh, earlier about when people would ask you all these questions and, and both you wanted to give them answers, but you also kind of wanted to be like, uh, let's, you know, I don't know the answer, but like, let's talk about it and do some looking into it and figure it out together. Uh, I think that's just such a cool approach to teaching anything to like good conversation. Uh, and, and I really like that that spirit kind of comes into the podcast too. It's neat. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause we, we like, we like the, the way that our podcast is formatted because we don't position ourselves as all knowing. 
Like, we don't know a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. I know I don't know a lot of stuff. <laughs> and so when the way that we try and have set up the podcast is that we don't know. So we're asking questions that we feel like everyone else will have and the questions that we honestly have. And we kind of walk through it with everyone. So they feel like they're on this journey with us and that they're incorporated into our friendship as well because all of our listeners are are our friends. <laughs> That's we, we love it when – like, we once in a while someone on uh, – social media will be like, I feel like I'm having a conversation with my friends about this topic when I listen to Lady Science. And I think it's the best compliment. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> I love it. Uh, so you're in your now in your third season of, of the podcast. And uh, you started by dropping an episode in June um, that was really interesting um, a- a- about the history of science and racism and race science and the impact of racism on science today. Uh, and um, both because it was really interesting and uh, because, you know, we, we do a lot of history of science stuff. We yell about this stuff a lot. Um, it definitely caught my eye. And um, I was wondering if you'd mind talking a little bit about how that episode came together and um, what it was like to research it at this particular moment that we are all living through. <laughs> I think this episode came together, you know, it's a, a moment in time, right? This is what's happening. We were seeing, uh, this is yeah. a moment when everyone else had their eye on on race in America and really across the globe. And I think, you know, something that, we found, we saw, you know, the Black Birders, so Black Birders Week. Um, mm, this mm-hmm. week is Black and Kim Week. So in this in the STEM community, we were seeing these different groups of folks uh, popping up and saying, like, here we're here, you know. Uh, we had just done, yeah. at the end of season two, we had just done a, a Black and STEM episode in February. And one of the things that often comes up is this kind of feeling that science is above racism which mm-hmm. <laughs> if you're in science you're wondering <laughs> how, how could that be um, right. <laughs> but this this feeling that science is so objective that it doesn't bend it doesn't have any bias uh with it and that's certainly not the case and we know that's not the case and so what we kind of wanted to do was to say let's go back to the origins because you sometimes it's hard for people to see when you're in something right and so we're saying this feels so normalized to you Right, that you don't even you don't even know where the the bias began. You don't even know where the wrongdoing started, and it's just ingrained in the sciences now. And so, you know, I was reading uh, Angela Saini's book, and I TT and I talked about this, and I said, "What do you think?" You know, we had a lot of different angles. It always starts with, like I told you, the the pop culture moment. And I said, well, there are so many different ways we could take this. What do you think is the best approach? And we just started digging and digging. And this felt like the, the right angle to go, to go, the right direction mm-hmm. to go in. And she's an incredible science writer. Um, and I was like, she's not on Twitter. She's not active right now because she's writing. Okay. So there's no way we're going to be able to get her. And our producer said, I'll just send her an email. First of all, cold calls, cold emails like that terrify me. Um, (laughs) but she sent her an email and she replied and said oh yes I'd love to and so then I was like we really got to get ready we're not prepared (laughs) you know (laughs) um but it was it was really it was both 
I, we knew a lot of this stuff, right? Um, mm-hmm. We, you learn these things. Um, I learned a lot of this stuff. I went to a historically black college, um, Hampton University. This was kind of built into my intro bio uh, and, and in some of my genetics mm-hmm. courses. Um, and I used to teach a class uh, called The Fault in Our Genomes that explored. Uh, <laughs> you can see I'm a fan, right? But it yes. explored, you know, some of these ideas and, and some of the early beginnings of genetics and personal genomics and, and some of the, the troubling things around it. And so I was aware a little bit, but I found myself so furious because I felt like we we're still repeating the same things from way before, right? Right. Because one of the things that Angela Saini says in the episode is the, the barrier that people can't get past is that race is a social construct, that it is not real. And people still, even after we put out that episode, mm. they still were struggling with that one piece. They were like, but you're black. And I'm like, right. <laughs> right, right, right. That's true. But that was that's made up. It's made up. All these things are, are made up by people who were trying to create uh, hierarchy and make themselves superior to other people. We are not different. We have different skin tones, but we are not different from each other. Um, and so it was really interesting still having to have that conversation even post the episode. And we're still seeing a lot of like engagement around that episode because people are still sharing it and people mm-hmm. are like, oh my gosh, it's really opened my eyes. I don't even know. Now it's like, I have to rethink everything. They have to unlearn so much just so that they can relearn this new stuff because it's it's like if somebody asks you how do you how do you put on a sock you're like that's it's so a part of your everyday that you're like I don't even know how to describe that and so now unlearning that and unlearning what they thought they knew about race and what that meant and what being black is and what being white is and relearning what it actually is a social construct it, it it's mind blowing for a lot of people and doing it during this time where, you know, it's at the forefront of everybody's mind, I thought it was it was perfect. I loved that we were able to get that episode out at the time that we did because everyone was looking for resources and ways to educate themselves. Mm-hmm. And I'm just glad that we were able to be a part of that conversation. You're talking about getting Angela Sandy on the podcast and doing a, a terrifying cold email and... <laughs> Oh boy. Especially like you said, like she was very public about like, I'm writing, I'm out of here. (laughs) Please don't talk to me. I'm very busy. (laughs) Oh man, that's brave. (laughs) Um, So I wanted to ask about, you know, other guest experts that you have on your show. And, you know, many of the people you have on your show are women of color. And I think that's like pretty special kind of given how white and how male science sort of expert representation is. So can you talk a little bit about, obviously with Angela Saini, you were reading her book and, but like for other people, you know, how do you, how do you choose who to have on your show and you know, why, and how does that whole process work? I think he was, you know, I'm going to get to your question. <laughs> we will. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Uh-oh. I think that's a really, something you said just really, stuck out to me you know about who gets to be an expert and how white and male the category of expert is right um yeah and there's something tt and i've talked about this a bit there's something about science and and the way we're trained as scientists that 
supports a, a culture of gatekeeping, right? Somebody tells you when it's a good time for you to apply. Well, they're supposed to, I think. Uh, somebody tells you, yes, you're ready to take your qualifying exam. Somebody tells you, yes, you're ready to defend. Yes, you're ready to leave your postdoc. Yes, you're ready to go on the market. You know, now we think no matter how great your work is, now you can get tenure, you know, even if it's great early, right? It, and so there's this culture of like other people, this external validation to say you're good enough or you're expert enough. Um, and I think we've really tried to push back against that. Right. Um, and so one thing that really stands out to me and I'll let TT chime in about some of our other experts, but we re we reached out to a grad student and I heard her speak and I said, you would be great on our podcast. We can build a whole episode around this. And she was terrified, you know, and she was like, I, I don't know. And, and she was so self-critical in a way that we don't see with other experts and in other conversations we've had, even if someone tells us something that's wrong when we fact check it, right? You think they come back and say, I heard this one thing I, I said, it might've been wrong. It could be, no, they don't do all of that self-editing, you know, <laughs> and, and it is both great for us to be in a position where we can highlight some other voices that are often, you know, muted by, by the, the, the star experts that we typically see. Um, but it also makes me a little bit sad too, right? Uh, that you internalize these things and without knowing it, it feels like that's the process. So yes, now we can answer the question. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. It's about, it's about who our culture decides is credible. Yes. Mm. And they don't lend credibility to people that look like me and Zakia or other iterations of us. You know what I mean? And I mean, we've even seen it in our comments sometimes where they're like, I don't like the way y'all talk. I don't like the way, or why did TT say this like that? When I'm using slang that, you know, is uh, me using slang basically bothered them. And they were said, it makes you less credible. I'm like, I, I don't think, I don't think that's how that works. I don't think that <laughs> me using slang makes me less credible because this PhD doesn't, doesn't really care. You know what I mean? <laughs> and like I still have my PhD even after using slang and but they feel like you have to sound a certain way you have to look a certain way you have to do all these things and so with our guests that's what we try and we try and break that where it's just like we want to highlight people of color women of color and people in all of these marginalized communities that don't necessarily fit that mold that um, our society says is a scientist because we're out there, all of us are out there and we're doing the work. It's just that nobody is passing us the mic. And so that's what we really try to do with, with our guests. Yeah, and you did like, the, it wasn't a digression about expertise. That is an answer to my question, <laughs> absolutely. <No. laughs> yes, yes, 100%, 100%. Um, so also uh, sort of, Digging a little bit deeper into um, the uh, problems of who we consider an expert. Uh, this, see, this leads just perfectly into the next question. Um, so both, of course, science and podcasting are fields that are pretty notorious for being white and male. Um, and so I was wondering if you'd be willing to talk a little bit about what your experiences have been like a little bit more um, and what some of the particular challenges you think that black women face during the work, doing the work that you do. 
Gather round. No. no. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And I was just thinking. And you know, even that, right? There are so many things that I know, and I know TT knows, I would love to say. And Mm -hmm. I am not protected, right? If I say those things, they they follow me. And and sure, there are consequences for the words you say. But even if I speak my own truth, right, it becomes, Mm -hmm. there's risk in that. Mm-hmm. Um, totally. even in places where you know, in spaces where you no longer exist, we know the science community is small. Um, I think, you know, a lot has changed, but in, in similar ways and, and in a lot hasn't, uh, I think about the community that TT joined, uh, when I was at Duke, I was already there. She came on board. She tells the story like, in a different way. I think of myself as like a <laughs> Venus flytrap and I'm like, Oh look, a new friend. <laughs> you know? And I caught her. Um, <laughs> but I think, you know, we were those same problems where we were feeling excluded or not really aware, aware of what we needed to do to kind of um, move to advance the social kind of unwritten rules around grad school. Those things just follow you everywhere you go. You know, that happened at, the grad school phase, it happened at the postdoc phase. Um, I can speak for myself there. It happened at the postdoc phase. It happened when I joined a tenure track position. And then at some point, you know, you have to, you kind of throw your hands up. Some people do. I did, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of times the question that I've always asked, and I usually ask myself and then I ask Titi, is like, do I want a seat at this table? I think so often people say like, this is mm. the top of the mountain and this is where you're trying to go. And imagine getting there and people are like, oh no, you don't have on the right shoes. You're not wearing mm. Merrill's, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so, and then I was like, do I even, how am I supposed to build a community for other folks to, to follow me or to come here? And, and then if I have no community, right? And, and how mm. am I supposed to sustain myself? And so mm. I think there is like all all the same things we were trying to figure out and, you know, crowdsourcing for ourselves at the grad level. It happens as you move up, uh, in the, in hierarchy in academia, but then also there are fewer folks to crowdsource with. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think it becomes quite Mm -hmm. challenging. Um, and I think we see some similar things, you know, podcasting is going through a reckoning of its own, uh, right now. Yeah. Yeah. I I think, Another thing is, is that with a lot of these places that are providing resources to folks, they're providing resources to the same folks every single time, the same types of folks. Um, And that's the reason why the podcasting landscape looks the way it does. Like there, there isn't a lack of, you know, black, brown people that have podcasts. There's a lot of them. It's just that we don't right. know about them because they're not being right. highlighted like some of these other podcasts are being highlighted. And so, I, and I'm not, you know, a part of the, well, we're not a part of the podcasting like machine. So I don't know like what the strategy is, but there are some really great stories out there being told by people of color um, that, you know, deserve more shine than they, than they get. And I know with the reckoning that they're going, the podcast community is going through right now uh, and the way that some of these places are handling 
black creators, I mean, it's no wonder that, you know, people of color feel some type of way about, you know, becoming a part of that space. Yeah. And I think that's the thing, TT, you highlighted something yeah. about, I mean, one of the issues is discovery. It's not, you know, I think that, yes, mm-hmm. what TT and I are able to do is a lot of fun. It's, it feels magical to us. Um, we like recording together. Um, it's a lot of cackling too. Um, but I think there are plenty of other best friend pairs, right? And as much as we need to hear, as much as our story is important, there are plenty of other stories that are just as important. Uh, plenty of other people that are other creators that could be as equally or better, you know, suited to do this than us. And so I just think, you know, I look at it, I've always thought about this um, as a discovery kind of thing in the same, your usual suspects are the people who get the shine, right? Um, But I think we saw there's no shortage of talent. Uh, In June, when everybody wanted to make a list of whether it was a black creator, black actor, black accounting firm, black shoe salesman, you know. (laughs) I found black toothpaste. I found black mouthwash. I'm not even joking. I was just like, I need some black owned toothpaste. I Googled it. A bunch of companies popped up. And so it's not a, yeah, it's not about this small pool or these things not existing. Mm -hmm. It is equal opportunity for discovery. And that also lends, that's also part of the credibility conversation, you know, and these things aren't, unfortunately, they're not unique to science. We see it in podcasting, you know, we see it in acting. We we see it everywhere in entertainment, Mm -hmm. you know, we see it Mm -hmm. everywhere. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. I think, no, no, no. No, I'm just trying to figure out like a nice way to wrap that up because there's (laughs) so much stuff in there that I think is really important (laughs) for people to think about and take on. And, uh, you know, we'll wrap up so we can meet TT's heart out. But thank you both so much for coming on the show and telling us about your show. And we were very happy that you reached out to us because then we got to know about your show. And so hopefully some of our listeners will become your subscribers too i think probably a lot of them will but we would love yeah, that i think so like <laughs> if if you guys like if you guys like us you know if lady science listeners enjoy listening to us yell and laugh about science then you're definitely going to enjoy these two yelling <laughs> yeah you can listen to dope labs podcast on spotify or wherever you get your podcast you can follow us on instagram and twitter at dope labs podcast you can follow me at dr underscore t s h o and Zakia at z said so on Instagram and Twitter. Like our episode today? Leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts so that new listeners can find us. If you have questions about anything we talked about, you can tweet us at ladiesxscience or use the hashtag ladiescipod. For show notes, episode transcripts, to sign up for our monthly newsletter, articles and essays, pitch us an idea, and more, visit ladiescience.com. Uh, Remember, we're an independent magazine, and we depend on the support from our readers and listeners. You can support us through a monthly donation with Patreon or through one-time donations. And both of those things you can do by visiting ladiescience.com slash donate. Until next time, you can find us on Facebook at LadyScienceMag and on Twitter and Instagram at LadyXScience.